Welcome to the See Me Now podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Coleman, here with my co-host, Caitlin Birdsall. And today we are joined by Kathy Deal, Colorado Mesa University Assistant Professor of Dance and Dance Program Director. Welcome to the show. Hi. Happy to be here. You are an award-winning choreographer. You have spent your entire life dancing. You found professional ballet at the age of 12. Can you tell us how you got into dance that young and what that path has been like for you ever since? Sure. Uh, I started dancing when I was quite young in competition dance studios uh, in Rochester, New York. And then I uh, was at a studio one day and they brought in a guest teacher named Tim Draper, uh, who wanted to start a ballet company in Rochester, New York. And he kind of took me under his wing and introduced me to the world of professional ballet. And so I started training pretty intensely with him and started performing in his company uh, all during high school. What was that like? I mean, you think of a normal, <laughs> normal, I'm doing air yeah. quotes, <laughs> kid going to a high school and all the dramas that are associated with uh -huh. high school, but yet here you are a professional ballerina. Yes. yes. It was interesting. I definitely didn't have a normal high school experience because for me, I was going to school during the day and then immediately after school, I went to the studio and took class and then rehearsed until usually 10 o'clock at night and then did the same thing Monday through Friday. And then Saturdays, uh, I was there all day, usually from the morning until the six o'clock or something. So I didn't have a normal high <laughs> school experience. I was also traveling to New York City and doing different things like that for um, for my trainings. And uh, so, yeah, it was pretty unusual. <laughs> And so you were a competitive dancer and then obviously went down this path of being a professional ballet mm -hmm. dancer. What was it about ballet specifically as an art form that really drew you in and made you want to pursue that at such a young age? Um, it was kind of surprising because I really didn't like ballet when I was going to the other studios. I, I didn't I didn't like ballet class. I didn't really enjoy uh, it that much as an art form. But it was something about this particular teacher who um, saw something in me. Uh, as a mover, as a dancer, um, that he was able to really draw out that potential um, and and got me really excited about the discipline of the of the process of of training and being really invested and committed and dedicated. He kind of really sparked that um, fire in me, um, and so I think a lot of it had to do with that, just the rigor of it. Um, that was different from my previous experience. It was more recreational, kind of fun stuff that we were doing. And this just tapped into something <laughs> that I didn't even know I had. So it was pretty cool. And I have to ask, I feel like I've heard of different misconceptions of ballet or ballerinas, maybe how painful the shoes are or what mm -hmm. your feet might look like. What's a misconception you'd want to bust today for those listening about ballerinas? Um, I would say... Uh, I do think that you can have pretty gnarly feet. That's true. Because <laughs> point shoes can be pretty tough on your feet. Um, so that is a true thing. Uh, I would say that not all dancers have eating disorders. So I think that's a misconception that all ballet dancers have some sort of psychological problems with eating and body image. I do think that's a, a, a thing that does happen, but not it's not a general, a, a thing that should be generalized to that population. Um I would say that's probably the main thing that I can think of. Uh, or just imagining ballerinas as very delicate sort of creatures. Like you're very strong. There's so much strength involved in ballet. Um, 
strength of spirit as well as strength in your body. So I think that's also perhaps a misperception sometimes. Yeah, I, I like that you you hit on that last part of you know the strength of of ballerinas and dancers, mm-hmm. and I think of the the mental taxation it has on those individuals. I mean, the hours that go in and the memorization of moves mm-hmm. and getting that line right. How do you train now that you are a you know teacher mm-hmm. um, and a, a professor here at CMU? How do you teach that, that mental strength? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. A uh, mental kind of fortitude um, to keep going even when you're tired, keep going when you're fatigued. I mean, we just came off of a concert. Everyone's tired. You know, it was a long week. It was a long week leading up to it, a long weekend. It's exciting, but it's also really tiring. And you've got to get back into class, back into all of your other academic uh, classes as well. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with awareness. Uh, I teach a lot of um, uh, skills around the mind-body connection and... um, really listening to what's happening in your body, using movement as a way to manage stress and cope with stress. Uh, and to be, um, I guess, just de- developing a sense of res- resiliency strategies, <laughs> for lack of a better way of saying that. It can be as simple as just knowing when you need to rest and knowing when you need to push and, and just becoming so aware of yourself that you understand that for yourself, that it comes from within rather than somebody yelling at you. So it's that intrinsic motivation um, to keep going and uh, knowing, like I said, knowing when you need to take time off, when you need to rest, when you need to step back from something, knowing when you need to push into something. So I think a lot of it is about self-awareness. So you spent many years in the dance world um, throughout, you know, middle school, high school. And then when you headed to college, you got actually your undergraduate degree in psychology. Can you talk Mm -hmm. to us about that switch? Because for those listening, you might think it's a natural progression of you'd continue on this dance path and journey. (laughs) And psychology for some might seem like a complete left turn. So what what drew you into psychology? And talk to us about that experience. Um, So after I performed for several years with the company, I came to kind of a crossroads where I didn't know if I wanted to move to a larger city and pursue a larger dance company. Um, I did audition for a few companies and through that experience felt not quite prepared to live in a larger, I mean, Rochester's a decent sized city. It's bigger than Grand Junction, (laughs) but it still didn't feel like I was quite ready to live in like New York by myself or something like that. And so I think I had some things with confidence that sort of pushed me it's going away, moving away from dance um, in in terms of pursuing it on a larger scale, I guess. Uh, and, and I also had some, not to get too personal, but I had some family pressures around like, well, dance isn't a real job kind of thing. So I had to, you know, sort of change directions and decided to go to school. I decided not to go to school for dance at the time. I mean, this was back in the 80s. <laughs> so... People didn't really, I didn't really think like, what's the point of a dance degree? That's something in the ballet world that, you know, why go to get a degree in dance? You're going to be too old, air quotes. Um, When you get out, you'll be in your 20s and you'll be too old to continue dancing, which is ridiculous when I think about it now. But at the time, I believed that narrative. Um, And so I thought, well, I am really interested in how dancers function, just like mentally and physically. Um, I... Uh, 
my mother was a therapist. And so I just started kind of asking questions about what's that like to work with people in that capacity and became interested in psychology. And when I mean, when I first started school, I was a mass communications major and realized I'm not good at any of that. <laughs> so I started thinking about what were my other interests my first year. And then I figured out psychology seemed interesting to me and I wanted to work with dancers. Um, but there weren't really any places to be doing that at the time. That wasn't a big push in the dance world. It's much more prominent now that thinking about the wellness and mental health of dancers. Um, but at the time, I didn't really know where to go to get more information about that. So I ended up getting a degree in psychology and then going and getting my master's in social work right after, uh, primarily to start making a living and <laughs> supporting myself. Um, uh, and the work was interesting to me, uh, it initially, and then it got a little taxing, um, talking to people about, you know, trauma and other things all day long. So, um, but yeah, that's how I got interested. Originally, originally it was to go into working with dancers. That was my hope to do that. But Well, and I mean, it sort of worked out because here you are, right? You spent yeah. <laughs> 10 years in the social work field mm -hmm. uh, and then you found your way back to dance mm -hmm. and you've been doing that ever since. What is it about being an assistant professor or a faculty member in dance, as opposed to, you know, there are a lot of avenues that you can go in now that we are further along. We're not in the mm -hmm. 80s. There's so mm -hmm. many options for the arts and, and pathways. So what would you say is so special about being a faculty member in the, in the dance world? Um, so, uh, I'll just backtrack a little bit. When I was um, working as a social worker, I ended up also starting to teach dance at almost the exact same time. I ran into my uh, former mentor and he was very adamant <laughs> that I should start teaching. And so uh, I was doing both of those things at the same time and realized that I was feeling a lot more passionate about teaching after about five or six years of doing both. And so I... Um, ended up uh, leaving my like full-time position as a social worker. I still had a, a private practice. So I was working in it part-time and I, through a series of events, landed a job as an adjunct instructor filling in for someone at a college. And it was the first time I'd ever taught in a college setting. And it felt like, you know, the skies parted and the stars aligned or something. It just felt like the right fit for me. I had been teaching at a very strict ballet studio um, for a while and was getting kind of uncertain if that felt like I wanted to keep just being in that one lane. And so being in a college environment opened up all of these other possibilities. Um, and from there, I was teaching at the college at Brockport in New York. Uh, everyone that I was working with was encouraging me to go back to school to get my MFA in dance. And at the time, I really just wanted to focus on being a teacher and just learning more about that. But it's a program that is also emphasizing performance and choreography. Um, but the, the purpose of going for that was to get a position as a full-time faculty member in a college program because I felt like it was just a really good fit for me, that age group, um, the creative possibilities, the um, looking at dance through a bunch of, from a bunch of different perspectives rather than just looking at it in ballet, but opening up all these other possibilities felt really exciting uh, to me. So that's how I ended up landing in college. Can you talk about 
the art of, I guess, music and dance combined and how music maybe inspires some of the choreography that you do or um, really what what calls a dancer to want to move to a certain song. So the interesting thing for me when I went and got my MFA in dance, I was introduced to modern contemporary dance, which at the time I'd only had limited experience with. That was another kind of mind-blowing experience. thing for me in that it opened up all of these other artistic possibilities um, that I never knew about. <laughs> and I was 36 years old and had really didn't know any of these things. So I felt like that was just sort of this limitless uh, place of discovering new ideas. Um, and choreography was one of those places. Uh, in modern dance, which is the medium that I mostly choreograph in, um, or contemporary ballet sometimes, I often don't even start with music. I start with movement. Um, and then I decide what kind of music I want to go with the movement, but that's not always the norm for some people. They start with music and then choreograph to whatever song they've chosen. It's so interesting though. I had no idea that, that that's how it worked. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people do just pick the moves (laughs) and then figure out the song afterwards. How interesting. Yeah. Like the last piece that I just, uh, did for our concert, was actually inspired by a few different things, but my first rehearsal with the dancers was bringing in um, photographs of uh, architecture and trees, and I was interested in shadows and light within those photographs. And the whole the piece was called Shadows and Light, and so I wanted them to create their movements. What are they interested in when they're look? They choose a photo. And then they created a movement phrase based on what they saw in the photo, whether it was lines or just an emotional tone. One of the students chose a tree that was kind of surrounded in mist or fog around it. So it was kind of spooky looking. Um, The other ones chose some architecture that had all these interesting shapes and textures in it. And so they created movement. And then I sort of combined some of those movement ideas with some of my own material that I'd been playing with. And we went from there and... um, I chose the music after we started the dance. So, yeah. (laughs) I love getting to hear about the creative process because that's not something that I've been involved in since I was little. You know, I took dance classes when I was very small, but Mm -hmm. it's really fun to get to hear about that creative process. Yeah. Sometimes I start with a song. Sometimes if it's something I'm really just interested in, I will start there. Uh, But it just depends on the project. It just depends on what's, what's interesting to me at that time. It's also sometimes driven by what will the students benefit from the most. Uh, That's also something that's in my mind is this is an educational experience for them. Um, It's also an artistic, you know, part of their artistic journey as performers and and, uh, choreographers. But I'm also interested in kind of what are they learning about many different layers of things in that process. So, yeah. So one thing I love at CMU is I feel like we really look at students as whole humans, whole people. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about their academic journey, but it's, you know, all the support we provide outside of the classroom. And um, I know that you like to look at your dancers as whole people and really Mm -hmm. the health and wellness of them as individuals. Can you talk to us about what that practice is, how you put that into practice and how you think that benefits our students? Yeah, I think um, some of that came from my work as a therapist, you know, just from my studies and then working in that field, I certainly um, became really interested in humanistic psychology and just looking at people through a holistic lens um, that you're looking at the whole person. I think sometimes in dance, it can be you're just looking at a body that's supposed to do what it's told. And, you know, 
that's often the framework that uh, is um, present in in dance. Uh, it's changing a lot, I think, over the past few years in particular. But, um, you know, you want your dancers to be tapping into how they think and feel and, and sense and intuit the world. So giving them opportunities in class to um, experience what does movement feel like. I do... Um, a lot of different somatic practices. One of the one of the things that I teach is called Bartinia Fundamentals, and it's learning about human developmental patterns um, that that are neuromuscular patterning that has to happen in the body from the time you're born until you start walking and ambulating through the world. So understanding all of these connect connections within their physicality um, that can support them. Uh, and I also do a lot of breathing techniques. Um, improvisational explorations so that it's not just about watching, you know, watch and imitate. You want them to discover who they are as unique humans <laughs> and as unique artists. So that's something that um, I'm really kind of trying my best to foster in classes. I mean, you're also fostering discipline and, you know, how to, how to take a class and those kinds of things. But um, I want them to feel like, um, we're not trying to create robots or automatons that just do what they're told. We want them to really be thinking and thinking critically about what they're doing. So, yeah, and I experiencing. Like, I like yeah. to hear that. And it, you know, it's kind of funny. It reminds me of, a, I've got a little two and a half year old <clears throat> at home and watching her when certain songs come on and like, she can't help it. She's dancing. And <laughs> there's one song in particular she is stuck on right now. And we listen to it pretty much every day. And she just <laughs> gets down in boogies and wants me and her dad to dance with her. And and so it just kind of is reminiscent of that. Of like, we start out that way as young, mm -hmm. young children. And then for some of us that changes or adapts as we get older. So I love hearing that you're yeah. tapping into like the whole person and, and like, you said not just creating these robotic dancers but they're critically thinking and whole whole humans and also how they're connecting to other people so community uh and collaboration is a big part of what we're also trying to um uh foster i guess for lack of a better word um offering students opportunities to work with each other uh doing creative projects together learning from each other um knowing what empathy is <laughs> <laughs> what it means to uh, have kinesthetic empathy also, like empathizing with someone without necessarily hearing words, but just through um, body movement um, and responding to that and sensing into that. Um, and and what does it mean to have a community and be part of a community? Dance can be extremely competitive and it can be kind of your focus just on yourself. And I think you get a lot more out of it and it's a more um, fulfilling practice over the long term if you understand the importance of other people and community and and building relationships um, and connections that way. So, One really interesting thing that students get to be involved in, in the performing arts in general, are these guest artists are showing up all the time. And that's part of the curriculum. And I know you guys just had a, a guest artist from New York recently. Can you talk about why those people are brought in and, and how they contribute to the students' learning? Yeah, guest artists are so important, um, especially in a, a more remote community like Grand Junction, where we're not necessarily bringing in guest dance company, like dance companies are performing here. That just doesn't really happen here. So giving students an opportunity to work with people who are currently dancing in the field. Um, we brought out uh, Britt Falcon, who was someone that I met while I was in graduate school. 
Um, she has gone on to have a really awesome career in New York City and now is back in school after several years working in New York, decided to go back to school and get her graduate degree. And I think that was useful for students to see someone who's currently in an MFA program in dance and how she's navigating around that. But she also brought out four dancers with her who are dancing in her company. So they got to spend time with five professional dancers who are actively working. Um, and I, I just so, and they were, it's so important for them to have those experiences. One, they got to watch them do a, like about a 20 to 25 minute performance. So they got to see <laughs> these amazing dancers um, right in front of them in the studio and just feel into what that is like. They also got to take all of these classes. So we, you know, we have a two person uh, program right now, a two faculty, we only have two faculty members right now. It's really important for them to have learning opportunities with all different kinds of teachers um, and all different kinds of classes. And we can only do so much. <laughs> so, uh, so that was really great. And they did all of this work around community building and um, collaboration. And they basically created the piece with them that they performed in our concert. So rather than sometimes a guest artist will come in and just set a work that they've already choreographed and it's already done and they just give it to the students. This was created out of working with the students for four days um, and what kind of movements they were creating and then putting it all together. And so it was a really cool process for them. They also created the sound score. So they didn't have music. They created the music while they were here. One of the um, dancers is also a, he did a bunch of, I guess, he's also a sound designer. <laughs> so he just created this awesome a soundscape for them to dance to. And it was really cool. So it's so valuable. It's essential for them to have that, um, especially if they really see themselves working in the in the profession as a performer or choreographer, to have that kind of exposure to other people. It's also networking. You know, who knows where, what could happen from having time with those dancers? Who knows what could happen from there? Um, so, yeah. Incredible. So I have to ask, because we are building a brand new theater mm -hmm. on campus, and so it won't only house, you know, musicals and theater and plays, um, orchestras, but there'll also be opportunities for dancers, whether it's our students or bringing in dance mm -hmm. companies. So maybe what gets you most excited about the new theater that we're building on campus? Uh, pretty much everything. <laughs> All of those things that you just mentioned. Um it's a, it's very exciting to think of our dancers having an opportunity to perform on us in a space like that, um, based on what I've seen so far of the renderings of it. I think that'll be just awesome. Um, and and if we can bring in dance companies, if we're presenting some dance companies, that would be so great um, for them to see. Again, for a lot of the reasons I just mentioned. But yeah, it's a really exciting thing. Um, we're we're just waiting. <laughs> well overdue, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Kathy Deal, for being here today. Sure. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the See Me Now podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.